Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about the honorable executive. Brad was in hot water. He just wasn't sure how hot. Frank doesn't forgive easily, he said, referring to his boss, the division president, and he's really pissed at me. But I hope everyone appreciates the irony that he's pissed because someone talked behind his back. Man, he is the king of trash talk. I had heard that about Frank. A quiet man who spoke without much expression, he was known for openly making snide remarks about people. For example, he'd ask who was running a certain project. Upon hearing a name, he'd shoot out a dismissive comment like, she's a moron, or, well, that's a mistake, or, I never liked him. Now, Brad had been caught making a snide remark about Frank. It had happened during a one-on-one meeting with a new direct report of Brad's named Cassandra. She was telling Brad about problems she was having with a project, and the problems all stemmed from a guy named Josh. Brad assured her, Josh always makes problems, and they had traded stories about Josh. When Cassandra asked if it was true that Frank had handpicked Josh, Brad replied, Oh, yeah, we have Frank to thank for Josh. Ah, what an idiot to hire him. Later, venting her frustrations about Josh with a colleague, Cassandra had said, Brad says Frank was an idiot for hiring him in the first place. Well, before long, Frank knew Brad had called him an idiot. In the room with me, Brad shook his head. I'm the idiot, right? But come on, that's not what I meant. Uh, am I really going to pay a price for an offhand remark? It seems pretty out of proportion. The situation seemed serious enough for it to move front and center in our coaching. I thought there were at least three issues we could examine. First, creating culture. Second, talking about people. Third, repairing damage. So first we discussed creating culture. Brad said, Cassandra shouldn't be talking about Josh all over the place, but I can't blame her. Frank badmouths people in front of everybody, so everybody else does too. He certainly made it culturally acceptable. Do you think he'd agree that he's created that kind of culture, I asked? Probably not, Brad answered. I spoke slowly. In my experience, mature leaders accept responsibility for creating the culture for their people. Like parents do with kids, said Brad, who was the father of three. Right. I use the parent analogy all the time, I agreed. <laughs> Meaning Frank is our dad? He laughed at the idea. Absolutely, I said. If you're a kid sitting at dinner and your dad talks smack about Uncle Teddy, it'd be reasonable for you to assume it's okay for you to talk smack about Uncle Teddy. And a smart kid will test the waters. Is it only okay to talk smack about Uncle Teddy? Or can I talk smack about my teacher or grandma or mom? If Dad talks smack, you do too. Brad laughed ruefully. I talked trash about Josh, but I didn't get in trouble for that. Only talking about Dad. I was silent. Brad said quietly, I shouldn't have been talking that way about either of them. I remained silent. After a moment, Brad said, I'm thinking about myself as dad for my team. I'm not sure what culture I've created for them. 
It wasn't in my feedback report. Not specifically, Brad, I said, but I think the clues are there. Think about your feedback. It said you have high standards and are impatient sometimes. From that you can imagine the culture you might create. He frowned and said, I can? Imagine being a kid. What would it be like if every one of your teachers had those traits? How would it be if they held you to really high standards and were impatient with you? Almost without thinking, he said, I would work my ass off so I wouldn't get it kicked. It sounds like there's some fear in there. Yeah, he smiled, but the good kind. For you. Right, it'd be good for me, but maybe not for everyone, he said, acknowledging that he was only speaking for himself, not others. We had been working on that. He suddenly looked concerned. Are you saying my team fears me? No, not necessarily, Brad. I was trying to help you figure out what culture you've created for your team. One way to do that? Pick your biggest development areas, then exaggerate those traits, and imagine a kid surrounded by all that. Ask yourself, what might that feel like? Your answers can help you figure out the culture you've created as a leader. He considered that, and then he smiled slyly as if he had discovered a trick. But since the traits are mine, I might be biased towards liking them. Well, that's a good point. You might. You may have to use some imagination and empathy. And get good feedback, too, he said. That, too, I agreed. Brad was intrigued by the idea of culture. One of the guys I manage only has three direct reports, but I can see his group has its own culture. I agreed that culture can be company-wide, and it can also exist within a team, and it flows from the leader. I said once again, mature leaders accept responsibility for creating the culture for their people. When we turned to the second topic, talking about people, Brad said, I'm not a gossip. I agree, Brad, you're not, I said. I was just trying to help Cassandra be more effective with Josh. She doesn't know him, and we all do. We all know the frustration she's feeling. We've all been there. I reminded Brad to speak for himself. Whoops, sorry. Okay, speaking just for me, I know how frustrating it can be to work with Josh. I do. And, I said... It's hard to resist talking about all those feelings. Brad, look, I don't think you're unusual. I think all sorts of people, well-intentioned, smart, ethical people just like you, make the same sort of comments that you made about Josh. And about Frank, let's not forget the idiot comment. Oh, heaven forbid. Because none of this would have happened if Cassandra hadn't repeated that little gem. Really, Brad, is this going to be about Cassandra? He smiled sheepishly. No, of course not. She wouldn't have had any little gem to repeat if I hadn't shot my mouth off. Well, I'm glad we're not going to make this about Cassandra, I said, but Brad, I don't think you shot your mouth off. You weren't ranting or raving. You, you were trying to help. That's why no alarm bells went off in your head. It felt like a normal conversation. Well, so how do you talk about someone like Josh who really is a problem, he asked. I said... I think talking honorably about people has one simple measure. Would you say the same thing the same way if that person was in the room? Brad leaned back and smiled. My dad used to say that, and if I had followed that rule, 
Cassandra could have repeated anything I said, and there wouldn't be any hot water. I nodded. After a moment, he said, Frank has not created a culture of talking honorably about people, but I'd like talking honorably to be part of my group's culture. And then he shook his head. Man, it's going to be hard. Because, I asked, because I think there has to be zero tolerance for it. Every comment has to be honorable. And I'll be trying to instill this in the midst of a larger culture that just doesn't value it, he said. But I'm going to start talking about it today. And then we explored the third topic, repairing the damage. Before I relate that conversation, I want to pause for a minute and address you, the podcast listeners. I'm recording this podcast just one day after our American holiday of Thanksgiving. Among the many things that I am thankful for this year is the stream of emails that I get from people telling me how meaningful the podcast is to them. I'm delighted that the podcasts add value. Hearing from you always makes my day. Thank you so much. What's a double joy is when you post your thoughts about the podcast online as a review. That way not only do I get to see your comments, but so do people who are searching for learnings about leadership. If the podcast is meaningful to you, or if you're one of the many, many, many people who reached out to me this year requesting the PDFs that support the podcast, please take a minute, go online, post a review. New reviews help new listeners find the podcast. And if you post a review, please let me know. I'd like to thank you personally. Okay, having said that, I want to make two pledges to all of you. First, I pledge that I'm only going to make this request of you once a year. Second, I pledge to keep the podcast free of advertising. If you listen to a lot of podcasts like I do, you know that sponsorship is everywhere these days, but it won't be here. Sponsors approach me all the time, and I always say, no, thank you. That is not what I want to do with my podcast. So those are my two commitments to you, whether you post a review or not, but I hope you do. So thanks. Okay, that's it. So now back to Brad. He and I were exploring whether there was enough damage to his relationship with Frank to warrant some sort of repair. Brad wasn't sure whether Frank's anger needed to be managed at all. I asked Brad, Well, do you want to make a peace offering or just wait it out? What would a peace offering look like, he asked. I smiled. An apology. Something short and simple. Boy, Frank would hate that conversation, Brad said. This isn't about Frank. Besides, his feelings aren't your responsibility. Just focus on repairing the damage. Do you want to apologize or not? Do you think I owe him an apology? Oh, that's not for me to decide, Brad. I'm just saying that when there is damage to repair, and in this case I don't know that there is, the easiest way to fix it is with an apology. But apologies can feel risky in the workplace, so a lot of times we avoid them. After some thought, Brad looked at me, saying, I don't know how to decide. I can argue either way. There are a million things to consider. Like what? Brad laid out the political ramifications of taking either action. His thinking was complex and multi-layered and a little bit tortured. At the end, I said, Brad, a lot of the factors you're considering seem completely out of your control. Well, no kidding. That's why it's so crazy-making. Well, then simplify it, Brad. How? Just ask, is this the right thing to do? Would I want an apology in the same situation? He laughed. 
Are you channeling my dad today? You sound just like him. I laughed, too. Look, I said, apologies can build relationships, but they can damage relationships, too. They can? Really? I think so, yes. I told him I would send him an executive coaching tip I had written about strategic apologies that examined both kinds. Later, after reading the tip and discussing the whole situation more, Brad decided that, yes, he would apologize to Frank. Even though the situation didn't feel serious, Brad felt it was the honorable thing to do. Months later, as our coaching wound down, Brad reflected on the issue of being honorable. He said that he had taken responsibility for the culture in his group. You know what I notice? The little things we do, all those everyday acts, those are what create the culture like how we talk about other people and whether we apologize to each other. Some days it feels like a heavy burden to pay attention at that granular level, but most of the time it's exhilarating. Examining himself and his team through the lens of being honorable had changed Brad. I observed that the shift had moved him firmly in the direction of the look and sound of leadership. During this episode, I referred to two other episodes that you might listen to. One you heard at the very end, Strategic Apologies. If this idea of being honorable intrigues you, I think you'll find that episode relevant and interesting. You also heard me mention that Brad was working on the skill of speaking for himself. I addressed that behavior back in 2010 in an episode called Speaking for Yourself. I embedded that concept in this episode because I think it's hard to be honorable unless you know how to speak for yourself. Two other episodes that are particularly relevant to the idea of being honorable are Be Impeccable with Your Word and Shouldering the Burden of Leadership. Those episodes and the entire archive of executive coaching tips are always available to you for free on the Essential Communications website, EssentialCom.com. That's EssentialCom with two M's dot com. Just click the navigation button called Coaching Tips. Once you're in the archive, there are lots of ways to search for past episodes, including sorting by categories. And one of those categories is Perception, How You're Perceived. There are more than 70 episodes in that category to help you be perceived the way you want to be perceived. When you're on the site, you can view the online version of any of the tips, or you can download them as PDFs to save for yourself or forward to others. Many podcast listeners tell me that in addition to listening to the podcast, they like receiving the HTML email version, too. If you'd like to get the email version, when you're on the website, just hit the subscribe button. That button is on every page. I'd love to hear from you, and I would love to add you to the email list. If, on the other hand... You're a die-hard podcast person. You can find every episode on the Essential Communications website. And you can also find them on iTunes or Stitcher. Just search for the look and sound of leadership. And uh, when you're there, post a review. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>